Welcome to the session, y'all. This one's for the money. Let's pull the two seat out, baby. This wherever you want to go. Just to the music. in and welcome to the second episode of the session for the culture by the culture a space to where we speak to people from the culture and discuss their experiences in life that have influenced their impressions towards mental health on today's episode we will begin the discussion of the stigmas of mental health for black men um, it is highly important within our society today within our society over history that we have this conversation of the black man in america and his understanding of his own mental wellness and what he does to get to therapy or or seek out mental health services. I think it's very important to discuss that. And so for today, I reached out to a Black man that I love and I respect um, with everything in me. He has been my rock for the last five years and my biggest support in everything that I have done. Not only is he a great supporter and a great partner to me, he's super talented in his craft, which he'll tell you about in a minute. I am beyond excited um, and truly overwhelmed to invite him to the pod today. He is none other than once again, the amazing, the super talented, my baby, Daquan Frazier. Come on, Daquan, introduce yourself to our pod today. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you for that lovely introduction. It's me, Daquan. You know, most people, I don't normally go by Daquan, but just call me Kwan. But, you know, a little bit about myself. I'm a chef by mm. trade. You know, I went to culinary school. That's how, you know, I moved to North Carolina. I'm originally from Ohio, Ohio State, go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. OH. Ohio, yeah. okay. Exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> but anyway, moved to North Carolina in 2012, went to culinary school, finished culinary school by 2014. Mm-hmm. You know, then I was out here in the world, vibing, vibing, chefing, chefing, doing a little something, something. Who you meet in 2016? Migos. Ah! It's a lovely concert. Oh boy. <laughs> no, I met a lovely person in 2016. Mm, speak on her. What's her name? I don't remember. Boy. But she's lovely. Okay. <laughs> but anyway. Um, you know, some a couple things about me that you know are important in my life. Love food, love to cook, love anime, love playing video games, and I have a dog that just got this last Christmas. Mm-hmm. He's bad. Well, we love him. He's he's bad. He do he probably tearing up the room right now. Right now, as we speak. But I love him. His name is Chubbs. Chubbs. 
Everybody give a shout out to Chubbs. Chubbs. Yeah. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. So that's just a little bit about me. So right. There we go. So that's Jaquan, aka Quan. I like to call him by his government, Daquan. Um, and yeah, I'm super excited to have him on here. Not only is he my partner, he is my partner, but he is my best friend. And I feel like we've gone through some things within these five years that have that can showcase what it could be like to be a black man in America. And I thought he'd be a great guest today just because he not only is he a black man, but he has great insight on concepts or understanding of what mental health looks like and how we as a community should strive to better ourselves within our mental wellness. So yeah, that's why he's on today. Um, And the topic, of course, once again, the very important topic is black men um, and their mental wellness. So the importance of our black men within our community, the African-American community is really important. Um, African-American males hold a prestigious space within our community. Would you agree, Daquan? To a certain extent, yeah. Yeah, what's this to a certain extent? Um, Black men are either looked at strong or they looked at weak. Okay. So you can be prestigious or you can be uh, above. Above, okay. You know, something like that. There's no really in between. But would you say the Black man could be assumed to be the pillar within our community? At one point in time. Yeah. But now I would, I could say it'd be more of the Black woman. Mm, Speak on it. Mm, Probably because the way it's looked at, Black women are the ones that this is just from a perspective. This is not how I truly feel, but as a perspective, okay. Black women are the ones that are there. They're the strong, you know, strong women. You know, they're the ones that raise the kids. They're the ones that's mm-hmm. taking care of the house and right. stuff like that. You know, because a lot of people in the Black community don't have that two-parent household. household that's that, true. You know, I feel like it's become a more common now. Yeah. But as I was growing up, I can't name too, too many of my friends the that had, had both parents in the house. Right. That had black a black parent. We so, mean a black male parent. Yeah, like yeah. You know, if a, you know, some, no, I'm saying like you had a black parent. If they had a black parent, they wasn't there. Like I know I have a whole bunch of friends that, you know, had um their white parent was there. Like oh, I have one okay, friend, I, I have one friend that's, you know, her dad was white mom wasn't there but that oh, black okay. mom you know it, it you know oh, okay exactly so okay so yeah so to me from my perspective i would believe to say that the black man is associated a high token within our community just in my personal opinion and mm-hmm. i feel as though the black woman although in my perspective or in the original perspective black women do a lot of things that go unnoticed but that's a different conversation and a different pod but I would like to say that Black men, to some regard, when we think about influential people or influential Black men in our lives, they have held some type of pillar within our system. And they, but I feel like they still don't get the amount of respect that they should get. Black men? Mm-hmm. Yeah, speak on that. Why? Because Black men do, do a lot. You mm-hmm. know, they're under a lot of pressure mm-hmm. because it's in society we're looked at as you're a man but you're not a man Mm. 
you know, you're a man because you're a man, but you're black, so that'll make you a fool man. Mm. You know, so you have that's you know, that's why I feel like a lot of black people try so much harder than mm-hmm. than we should have to. Yeah. You know, it's it's a lot harder to be a black man because yeah, you're still looked at as a man by people in your community, but outside of your community, you're dumb. You're not as talented as other black men, you know, I mean, as other men in different cultures, such as white men. And, you know, it's it's taxing. Yeah. Because you have the pressures of being built up on a pedestal Mm -hmm. in your community, but once you step out of it, you're back at the bottom right so or yeah i can i can see that as being true like if we think about in our society in the recent years or at least when we've been in this generation or in this life how black men have been painted in our media black men don't get credit unless they die dang that was that was a lot that's that's pretty much what it is i mean if i think about like a nipsey hustle he didn't get credit till he died yeah. And if anybody doesn't know Nipsey Hustle, do you want to explain who he was? Nip was I wouldn't say Nip was the greatest rapper in mm-hmm. the world, but Nip did a lot for his community. Right. Nip was a very influential influ- influential influential sorry, person <laughs> in his community. Yeah. Yes, Nip was a gang member. Yes, Nip was, you know, a rapper. This, mm-hmm. you know, but Nip did a lot of stuff for his people. Yeah. Nip was also a movie star. Right. Nip also was one of the only rappers I ever ever seen in my life sell a CD for a hundred dollars. Exactly. Come on, a hundred dollars. He knew he knew his worth. Yeah, black he man was, knows he his was worth. a great he was a great idol for younger black men. He brought a lot of black men up, you know, but Nip never got any credit until he died. Right, and I feel like even when he died, like going back to the media point. Black people within our community could say all the positive regards about him. But when we got to media, Mm -hmm. it was like the negative things like, oh, he was a gang member. Oh, he made violent rap songs or things like that. And it was never, okay, he built all these things within his community to have Black-owned businesses for our people to thrive and buy from, to thrive within their community. And that looked down upon. Yeah. 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 He had a, a great movement called Buy Back the Block. Right. Where he was buying back the properties of his neighborhoods he wasn't you know he he was a very influential and influential person so that's just one person a a black man who didn't get credit that he should get right and there's still plenty other black men there's you know we have black billionaires who still get Mm -hmm. talked down about you know right that's nothing we're not learning Mm -hmm. a black billionaire is something we're not seeing every day but we know that's out there there's plenty of them plenty but they get called crazy. Mm-hmm. They still get called a nigga. Mm-hmm. You know, they, no matter what, you know, that's how they're going to get be looked at. Exactly. Too. And that's just certain things you have to deal with in America. Right. As a black man. Right. So I feel like that's a great point that you brought up of like, we're being uplifted within our community. Mm-hmm. Because what I'll say about our community is that from what I've seen, black men are, are lifted. Like, boosted in a way great people like not saying the black men aren't but they are put on this pedestal like you said and then when we get into outside where I can see how it is for black men to be like okay I've got all this love for my people 
But then when I get out here, I'm seen as no other than a thug, a criminal, or that I'm not intelligent. I can't be anything or that I have to be angry or upset all the time. And, you know, me personally, I never met a black man that I felt like was evil. Yeah. I never, I never, you know, they might've done some things that they shouldn't have done, making mistakes or, you know, just part of life, mistakes in life that got them in bad situations. But I've never once you know, this is me speaking personally, ran across a black man. I was like, oh, no, he's just, he's evil. Right. You know, I've seen a lot that's just misunderstood. You know, people do dumb things and, you know, people get put in certain situations where they have to do dumb things. You know, they don't know better. Right. And especially if, if we think about black men and we think about in our community where it's been this societal um like image that black men within these lower or urban communities are gang members drug dealers all these other things but are we really looking at why or what they're why they're becoming these things or why they're involved in these things exactly like being a gang member it has been it's been put on like it's just such a bad thing when it's not a gang member being in a gang gives you a sense of family that you probably did not have you probably don't have at your home, you know, or, you know, it's just a way for someone to be around someone else that's experiencing the same things in their life. Right. And originally gangs weren't meant to be, you know, these bad violent things. They were put in place to protect the neighborhoods that they lived in. Right. So I don't see anything wrong with anybody being in a gang. I think let's preference it though. Mm -hmm. I feel like there are things that, and for the listeners out there, I want you guys to not misconstrue what we're saying of, okay, it's nothing wrong with being bad in the game. We're not promoting that people be in gangs. We're saying that if you are a gang member, can we at least look at why they have become a gang member other than violence itself? Like we're not saying that it's okay to join a gang and go shoot other people or do bad things. We're just saying, can we really look at the reasoning for them becoming into these spaces? Mm -hmm. And I would say the same, and I would argue the point for those who say, well, black men that live in urban areas are selling drugs. I would argue that as well. Can we look at the reasoning why they got into selling drugs? In my opinion, I don't think anybody's selling drugs for the fun of it. Um, I don't think that anybody like is selling drugs for the fun society, of it. There are some people that are selling drugs for the fun of it. But I'm talking but about in an urban class. setting where you mm-hmm. need financial gain because let's exactly. not act like people aren't out here still, mm-hmm. especially in the black community, still struggling. Yeah. There's a difference between our white counterpart selling drugs and a black man selling drugs. Mm-hmm. Completely different. Completely different completely different yeah, and i'm not saying that you better say a bar and not saying that all black men are from urban areas that's not what we're saying all black men are more than one dimensional they're from every different and not area all black men in urban areas sell drugs thank you not all black men in urban areas are in a gang or yes. anything like that yes in a bad gang and something like that but if i'm to be honest if i was not if, if it wasn't me and you, right, and we didn't understand that understanding of what we just said, mm-hmm. and if I put my footsteps in the idea or the mindset of somebody 
that thinks that way or says, okay, all black people are associated with one thing. And they saw you walking down the street and they don't know your background. They don't know. They just see what you wear. They just see how you walk. Then presuming that you would be a drug dealer or a gang member is the scary part about it. Yeah. Is like, that's scary to me. And I've gone through that multiple times in my life. Right. Just being presumed to be something that I totally wasn't. Right. For no reason. Because this is a black man, no offense. That's not a gang member or a drug dealer. <laughs> he's not. He's a kind black man. A black man does not one dimensional, right? That like if you saw some things that he's interested in or things that he likes, you wouldn't quote unquote say that's a black man activity. But honestly, what the hell is a black man activity? Black men can be whatever they want to be. It's just the labels that they have on them. Um, but yeah, so kind of coming off of that, what was your experience growing up? Because I know how it was for me as a black woman being taught what a black woman looked like growing up. Mm-hmm. And not until recently when the Sandra Bland incident happened, was I then sat down and talked to about formally about how to deal with certain situations as a black woman. And with the Sandra Bland situation, specifically a black woman dealing with being pulled over by a police officer. And that doesn't have to be your same experience, but that's when I firstly got the set down of, okay, things are getting real. And I felt like I could kind of be in the same shoes as a black man to have these conversations, but I really don't think so. So when was the first time when you knew you were a black man? Hmm. And you knew that there was setbacks in being a black man within this society. Well, we'll say the first time where I realized it was setbacks and being a black man in society mm-hmm. was probably my junior year of high school going into my senior year where I had a teacher who had no idea who I was in the class because I'm not a person who loud and rambunctious and mm-hmm. you know or just you know I came to class on I came to class right on time every day sat in the back of the class did my work and let everybody else copy off my work because mm-hmm. the class was easy to me and the teacher failed me mm-hmm. and you know it, it hindered me from almost being able to play football my senior year mm-hmm. and you know I go up to the teacher and I'm like why'd you fail me you know I've this is all my work right here you graded it these aren't bad grades what's going on how did I fail and he's like, who are you? Mm. And that right there, just, you know, that was the moment where I was like, things are different. Right. Because I wasn't one of the kids in the class who were perceived to be, you know, oh yeah, he's, you know, that's that black kid that's always loud and, you yep. know, goofing off and throwing stuff. You know, he had no, no idea who I was. He didn't even know I was in this class. Right. So, you know, and I mean, we could just blame that on bad teaching. or yeah or or it's like and those are things that if somebody else heard this conversation that wasn't Mm -hmm. black or that wasn't a person of color they'd be like well maybe you should spoke up more but in my head the first thing that says is okay well is it because he's not this stereotypical black person or black man Mm -hmm. because the intelligence was there but you still failed him because you overlooked him and did you overlook him because you didn't think to look at him because he was probably the only black person in the class right or no it wasn't the class was full of black people it wasn't like it was i was the only black person in the class but you know 
that's just one example. But the guy turns out years couple later he got fired because he was racist. Racist, pretty much. Okay. So he told it, you know, he cussed the kid out, said some words that we ain't gonna say on here. Right. Public news, you can go see it. His name is yeah. Brown. But anyway, um <laughs> But it was still something there that to you was like, okay, mm-hmm. being that I'm not the typical black man or the typical what a my white counterpart would think of and some turn is some type of microaggression or some type of microevaluation that's just not mm-hmm. cool right pretty much so in that experience that was the first time that you said you generally knew that things would be different because you were a black man right sure. so prior to um just to include everybody in and i don't think this tells your business to Quan, but Daquan is one of two boys. So his mother has two black boys. So Connor, what was that conversation between your mother, your grandma, your grandpa about how you should move out here as a black man? Well, I wouldn't say it was per se a conversation mm-hmm. that we had. It was more of just how they taught us to grow mm-hmm. up, you know, be respectful, you know, when we're out of this house you act you act appropriate you you know if you ever get in trouble Mm -hmm. you call me you don't say anything until I get there so let me let me ask you about you act appropriate what Mm -hmm. the what does that mean does that mean act appropriate with these white people or what does that mean pretty much act appropriate means mind your business Mm -hmm. ain't got nothing to do with you don't worry about it don't Mm -hmm. put yourself in the business right mind what you're doing pay attention to what you're doing Mm -hmm. be care for your surroundings right you know if it don't feel right don't do it right that was a big thing in my household if it don't feel right don't it ain't right yeah you know something about it ain't right so don't do it but many would say and i'm just playing devil's advocate Mm -hmm. and what you just said is what we teach all our children in america so why Mm -hmm. would that be different why is what you said different from what you would say to a white child versus a black male child well, I wouldn't know what, a, what what you would say to a white male child. I don't know if they're having that conversation. I'm not right, white, good. so I yeah. mean, that's what I was taught in my house. Yeah, you know, I don't, I, I, you know, I have white friends, and it don't seem like they was taught that because they always in somebody else's business. So I mean, it, 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 that's just how <laughs> that's just how it was. You know, it's a lot of things that white people would do yeah. that I was raised not to do, and I think for all those listening when he says like stay out of business it's talking about in terms of like if there's something crazy going on on the side of the street Mm -hmm. that doesn't involve you and doesn't need you to be in there you're at more risk yes that's how i was taught it was like if you see a group of people up there that don't look like you Mm -hmm. and you go into that business you're at risk more than those people that don't look like you so just stay out of that business and keep your head going i have an example of a story for this i had this one one white friend, his name was Cody. Mm-hmm. We were growing up together. We were Sorry, one Cody. day we were just walking. We were just walking around, and yeah. we seen a strange man. Mm-hmm. Seemed like he was entering a house. Right. That you know, it, it, I didn't know if it was his house or not. Going through the window, so you know, you kept. Walking. I kept going. It ain't had nothing to do with me. Right. Cody, on the other hand, goes and says, "Hey, man, what are you doing?" I left Cody. Don't know what happened. I left. Well, the thing about it is, and I don't want to confuse some people out there. I know we have this thing called the bystander effect or what it feels like to be a bystander. And I think when we have these conversations, I know we're thinking about that. But to be a bystander 
is a difficult situation for a black person and i would even argue a black mm. man in america what, you know what, it's even more difficult what i can say is the difference in that is you know he was probably taught to do the right thing if you mm-hmm. see something yeah. that doesn't look right call the police but he has call the, this but the, babe, mm-hmm. he has the privilege to exactly do that. that's what i'm saying yeah he has that right you know right. he has that right that he can't call the police and feel safe yes if i were to do that it could have possibly went hey, were you trying to help him break into this house? Right. What are you doing here? You know, why are you here? Even though I could have been the one that called. And that's the thing that I want to kind of press on. And I think that's important why I have, we have this conversation about black men, because Mm -hmm. I I will say to a certain degree in my perspective, I think if it was a black woman who called the police on the situation, do I think the effects would have been as harsh as a black man? Because I feel like there's times where I'm inclined to call the police and I don't, I don't feel as though, you know, something, I'm not inherently that scared mm-hmm. because I know part of me, I'm a woman, right? But then again, the way the police are moving out here, certain police, those police that aren't the greatest, it doesn't really matter. So, I mean, but I would think that if it was a black man calling mm-hmm. or a black man being called on, the consequences will be a little bit more severe. Mm-hmm. Right, and, you know, to put a disclaimer out there, I have nothing against police officers. I Me know neither. there's really good police officers. Yeah. I know, I know some of my friends are police officers. Right, you know, but when you're calling the police mm-hmm. as a black man, it's the luck of the draw. Right, you either gonna get the good one or you are gonna get a bad one. Yeah, you never know. Mm-hmm. And I'll say that the fact that we even have to say that we know some police are good and some are bad is a part that makes me still feel a little cringy of like we still have to protect ourselves to say hey we don't want to offend you we don't want to step on your toes Mm -hmm. and we know there's not some bad ones but in reality it's like why do we even have to say that because our experiences say something different Mm -hmm. and it's like we're taking the blame for those bad or good police officers rather than saying yeah that's that that's not my scenario it's not something i'll do Mm -hmm. But that was just a disclaimer to let y'all know that we're not saying police are bad. We're not saying they're good. We're not saying that it's not okay to be a bystander. We're just talking in general terms of what it is to be a Black man in America. And I think those are important topics to kind of bring up of like how it's different because it's going to be different. Right. So it seems like your mom told you what it was to do but it seems like it was from the lens of like you know you black yes right so it was one of those things where what's understood doesn't have to be explained exactly and i think that's how it goes in a lot of black households it's like but don't you feel like and this gets me is that i'll be up front i think have giving birth to a black male is something i've always feared because I think there's a different conversation to be had with a black male, like in our society. Yeah. Being a black man comes with different things. A lot of it's scary. It feels scary. It comes with too many stereotypes. Exactly. And having too much the, yeah. pressure. It, it comes with a lot of things of being a black man. Yeah. And having to sit down with your son that's not even of age to know that he's hated in a way before he steps out of the door before he even gets the chance to understand who he is as a black boy let alone a black man he's hated already in a way that we can't explain to him Mm -hmm. 
And that to me is really sad. And, you know, not only is he hated, he's always going to be kept at a distance. At a whole distance. You know, it's, then, yeah. it's, it's always going to be, even with the love, yep. you can be the greatest man out here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you you do so much, so much for for people. And somebody still going to call always, you a nigga. It's always going to be, at the end of the day, he's still a nigga. Exactly. And when we say that word, guys, I mean, that's just what it is. Like, that's just what it is. It's not really no sugarcoat. When you can't really sugarcoat that, you can't really right. cut it anyway. You know, I had a friend named P. You saw it saying, you can't put no cut on the dope. But, you know, <laughs> but no, <laughs> that's I, just yeah. how it is. I think I can literally say, and we've had conversations in our personal about like how like a black son would not be an ideal situation because it's just like not saying we don't love I don't love I wouldn't love the opportunity to have a black son but raising a black man is just on a different pedestal it's so is raising a black woman but I think a black man it's a lot there and black men sometimes get tore down like you said before they leave out of the house and how can I combat that if I can't combat it as a normal individual how can I teach somebody else to Right. Exactly. And just whew, I feel like black men also get put a lot of mental health issues on them that they yeah. don't per se probably wouldn't have. You yeah. know, that they, you know, if a black boy is a little bit more aggressive or a mm-hmm. little bit more energetic, automatically he has ADHD and he has ADD or he's defiant you know Mm -hmm. you know you where a little white boy you know you know he's just you know he's just growing up you know he's just yeah you know he's just being a boy and black boys just don't get that opportunity just to to be be a boy boy. you know we we always get put in a box where we just have to be quiet and we have Mm -hmm. to just do as we say Mm -hmm. you know we can't make a mistake or a little or you know you're gonna get a severe we we get severe punishments right that we wouldn't get if you were white and I think that's not to say there's a black well there is and I feel like as a black boy like you say you can't be a boy Mm-mm. and I think that's a lot of the problems in what we see in black men today is like black men haven't had the opportunity to just be who they are to be in whatever stage they are in life. Mm-hmm. It's always as if we have to be more, we have to do more. It's like we're running this race and we're not, we haven't, we haven't got to the finish line. And I it's can like see how that's a struggle. It's more like you run in a race, you see the finish line, and then mm. you look over for two a half a second and to see who's it. beside you, and the finish line is a little bit further. Damn. And it just keeps going. And that is crazy. And that's like that's real life I remember having a conversation with somebody in masters and it was one of my professors and she said a comment of how do I teach my black my white son I mean how to be nice to other black children and she told me there was a book that she was reading about how to tell her black her I mean her white child how to be nice to black people or just how to be racially ambiguous like how to be all these things and you know in that moment I sat there and I said what there's a book on how to teach white boys how to be kinder how to continue to perpetuate 
stereotypes, microaggressions, all these things to black boys, but there's no book for black boys on how to survive this society. There's no book that can teach us how to do that, but instead we're training the training someone how to be within their privilege and utilize that and to know they have it. And that to me was like, this is an issue. How much that book costs? I don't know. But when she, she said wants, it, I was like, wait, she what? Wants that money. I could have gave it the answer for free. Right. <laughs> and I told her that and I kind of got a little in tears because I, I was like, wait, what? There's books on how to do this as a white person? And it and a lot of you, if you've heard me, you've kind of had me as a student, a classmate, you just know me. You know that I always lead with, I never understand why it's so hard for people just to do the right thing and understand how to do the right thing. Like all black people need, all black men need is just somebody to listen to them and treat them like a human being. But instead we just cognitively as a society don't understand how to do that. And um, that gets that gets uh, to be a lot for me as a black woman. And I, Daquan, I feel like for you, maybe as a black man, that's overwhelming as well. Yeah, when it's all could just be such a simple answer. Yeah, everybody makes it complicated. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think everybody makes it complicated. I think our society and our history yeah. has made it like sy- systemic exactly. racism it, is real. Yeah, you know, and it, you know, it works both ways because. Yeah just how you know we've been put down and everything throughout the years the white people are taught how to put them down instead of yeah just letting them be who they're gonna be and i don't think white people and this is not a bash on white people i think that it's such a generational thing mm-hmm. to where you just don't understand and we've had yeah. conversations with co-workers yeah. of ours in the past about this yeah. and it's like they just don't understand that these things have been passed down and I, I enjoy when white people come and say, hey, I've had this really weird experience growing up and I don't like it. And let me know if that offends you. And that's a difference in yeah. understanding and owning that you don't understand. And you're like, how can I just do this? Because all these things have happened. Whereas another is like, if you're just being rude and you're like, I don't want to change. I don't want to do these things. Exactly. So that's understandable. So we kind of got off target. We kind of got off task. But I think in talking about Black men, that conversation was necessary. What do you think? Yeah, I do. Okay. So I kind of want to get into your business. Now, you know, I know your business, but they don't know your business. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just wanted to ask, you mentioned earlier about like having run-ins in certain areas that mm-hmm. made you understand what this world views as you as a, a Black man. And one of the questions I kind of have is that, are there any personal stories that you would like to share about your traumatizing experiences with being a Black man in America? Is there any incident that speaks out to you? Let's see. I, I can have a couple. Oh, but, you just know. Just one. Okay, I can give one. You know, as I said, I was a chef. Well, I am a chef. Uh-huh. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I was working for this this one restaurant shout uh, them out because we need we need the people not to go there 1180 it might still be open in blue north carolina hopefully it closed down but anyway you know so was working for the chef this guy you know he had a little bit of knowledge of cooking you know this and that but he's you know he got hired as executive chef no education no education Mm -hmm. no you know i mean that that's not needed really in the world of culinary arts it's more of an experience-based thing. Right. But anyway, you know, I'm there, you know, 
I get hired on, everything seems fine. And, you know, he, he has me be a sous chef. I go over his menu. He doesn't have anything right for the menu. I, you know, help him out, help him out with different recipes, you know, such and such, and show him how to do different things. Everything's fine at the end, you know, until the owner of the restaurant wants his son to be the sous chef mm. who doesn't know anything about cooking. He's a really good guy, though, but I mean, he doesn't really know much about what to do. Mm-hmm. So, he wants me to train the guy and whatever. So I'm like, it's okay. It doesn't really matter. I'll train him. You know, I'll help out, whatever. Because, you know, there's a new restaurant. You know, I'm just a nice guy. I want to see him succeed and whatever. And then, you know, one day me and the executive chef are just in the kitchen and he's playing some podcast who, where it's just blankly just this guy spewing racist terms and you know, he was a big Trump supporter, and I forgot his name, but everybody knows him. Adam Jones. Adam Jones. Which, not saying all Trump supporters are racist. Let's keep that in. Uh-huh. That's her opinion, but okay. If you, if you know, if just that, continue with your anyway, story, babe. Yep. Anyway, so you know, he's at this time Trump is, isn't the president, but you know, he's pushing for him. You know, he's like, yes, you know, this and that. But the guys on the podcast spewing plenty of racist things that's just like why are you listening to this podcast and I'm sitting right here next to you mm-hmm. and you know it's the simple fact that he believed that it was not racist that they, what the guy was saying and that he likes black people and he has black friends mm-hmm. which is the always to go to the black mm-hmm. friends let's talk about yes the black friends ridiculous ridiculous i know who that black fan is who is it joe oh lord coon joe oh. <laughs> that's another topic you know? yeah that's a, that's a disappointment you know shout out umar but uh anyway you know i at that point in time you know i was just after that i was just like this i see what type of organization this is mm-hmm. and had enough wasn't dealing with it anymore and that was just one example in the workplace of where yeah. a black chef doesn't get respect. Right. And then, you know, he goes on and says how, you know, I'm not a good employee once I stop talking to him. Yeah. You know, and once I stop defending him to the servers and, you know, how, right. he, how he was and stuff. And, you know, I became not a good employee. I right. became all these different things that weren't true. Right. You know, that's never been said about me before in my life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've held different positions, different sous chef positions at way better restaurants and way Come better on. companies than this. Right. So here's what it is. But that's just one example of right. just workplace, you know, as a chef, as a black chef, honestly, mm-hmm. what we go through. Right. And, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's still happening to this day for the most part. Right. So, it's just certain things. Right. And I feel like you, and this could be Daquan's example of what it is to be a Black chef, a Black man in America, are synonymous to one another, right? Um, And many times, many Black men that are in the workforce, you come up with all these things. You're more qualified. You're all these things. But once you stop being what they want you to be or what they presumed you to be, then all of a sudden you're no good. You're, you're turned into these bad things 
that you're not. And I think that is, that can be any other experience that Black men have had in our society in general. Yeah, uh, would you say that? Yeah, I, I just say it's hard. It's, it's extremely hard to hold a position of power. Yep. But it's ex- that much more harder to be Black in a position of power. Come on. I've seen, you know, you know, a sous chef, for people that don't know, is executive chef, sous chef. Right. Right. That's, that's pretty much how it goes. I'm his right-hand man in the kitchen. Right. So I've had one executive chef in my life that was black. Mm-hmm. And it was so much harder on him than it was for the executive chef who was white, who had no idea what to do in the kitchen. Right. You know, caused the man to have a drink of problem. You know, everything, yeah. you know, because there's so much more pressure on, on him than it was for the white chef. Right. And, you know, even then that that's not just within the business that's when where it's, it's health inspection time the health inspectors are way harder on us the you know it's just these are just examples of just being in a kitchen and you know when it's you know the customer you know the cut even even some of the customers they're like mm-hmm. you know let me speak to your manager i pretty much am the manager you right. know you know you know they always want someone above you right you know so it's 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 just different things it's just yeah and i'm not making an excuse because that's one thing black people do right we work and, hard and, and we, we don't it, yeah. we don't make excuses yeah and you know we're gonna complete our goals i mean even if it's turmoil right we'll yeah. complete our goals exactly. and i feel like and i think that targets straight on and i think maybe our listeners is like well that's not the story we really want to hear about what it's like to be a black man, but I think our black men in our community work. Yeah. That's one thing that I can say. I done met some black men with no job, but I done met more with a lot of jobs. And it doesn't even have to be a job that they just have. Just working in general. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're working towards something. Yeah. You know, black people have ambition. Yeah, and I feel like when you're put in a place where you come in very ambitious as a black man, to have that taken away from you is not the greatest feeling. And I think that is a great story or a great personal experience yeah. to talk about what it is, what one aspect of it is to be a black man in America. And I can also go off the other point of being a black man in America, we work too hard mm-hmm. for people that we should not work too hard for. Exactly. You know, I've seen plenty of times where there's the guy in the restaurant who comes to work every day. He mm-hmm. busts his butt, you know, this, that, and that, and knows so much more than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he still get treated as he's just a pizza cook. You right. know, he's just this, that, he's just this, you know, he didn't right. put in so many years, you know, we don't, you don't get the respect sometimes, even though we're busting our, busting our butt for someone that, doesn't mm-hmm. give us their respect and i feel like that's in our nature right i yeah. feel like and i'll just speak to the black community i feel like we have been so oppressed mm-hmm. that sometimes we forget that we can do things on our own exactly. and then even when we do things on our own we kind of get skeptical on it because of what this society has told us about the things exactly. we can and can't do if i think about pe- black people owning businesses there are certain business loans that we don't qualify for exactly. they say for other reasons but at the end of the day it's because we're black in some manner there's still these things going on Mm -hmm. that still like hinder us from getting to where we get to to have us in these situations that we're uncomfortable in 24 7 
And I feel like that's a great conversation and a compliment. Um, and I know, and I want to, I want to let everybody know that on this podcast, and I want to reiterate whatever experience that like my guest is feeling or they want to share is their experience. And I feel like sometimes as Black people, there are some other experiences we had that aren't so comfortable to speak about, right? So a lot of times when we're on here, I'll relate it back to the topic in a way, because there are some things that happen to us on a daily basis or things that have happened to us that are not things that we want to discuss out loud. Exactly. And, you know, yeah. I just feel like this is just a perspective from just my everyday life. Right. You know, I've had things happen to me outside of my everyday yeah. life that, you know, shouldn't have happened. Exactly. And it happened because I'm just Black. Right. You know, I shouldn't have to be in a store mm-hmm. trying to buy my girlfriend a gift mm-hmm. and someone is on my hip right. asking me, are you going to get this? Are you going to get that? I, I almost or, used yeah. the Gucci man reference. Or you shouldn't be, or, <laughs> or you shouldn't be like, I'll just add a sliver of it. Cause oh as a black woman, as a black girlfriend to this incredible black man, this got me up in arms. A situation to where you're being pulled over and they're assuming there are drugs in your vehicle and you get harsh treatment and that's not the truth that to me that incident was an incident to where all this black lives matter stuff and how us as a people were coming up to knowing who are so that was an incident that happened to you that was completely ridiculous unnecessary and it was life-threatening and it was something that we as a a whole had to deal with and understand and i think that shifted our perspectives in some ways on what it is to be black people in america i mean you know and and at that point in life you know this happened that situation which uh lyric was just explaining something happened to me a few years ago which wasn't my first running in with the police right you know, when I was younger, probably about 18, 19, got pulled over with my friends and we were all, you know, had to sit out the car and, you know, right. it, it was, we was late. We were coming home from a club of summertime, right. you know, just and, doing you know, normal just, things. you know, yeah. we shouldn't have to be searched for in our car because, yeah. you know, we're coming home, you know, right. you were coming home late and we're black, right. you know, and, you know, the incident that happened you know, a few years ago, I was driving driving back to my home and got pulled over i was in the wrong i was speeding yes yeah but i don't have no i had no marijuana in my car i had just barbecued had some food good barbecue too food i don't don't talk. we can go into the food all day though don't know if you guys you know there's smokers out there but we know a difference between weed Weed and and food food. okay (laughs) so you know idiot cop pulls me over gets tells me to get out the car yeah and i'm like i told him no i'm not getting out the car right because and you then, know you're right yeah then he you know proceeded to pull a gun out on me mm-hmm. so i was like okay you know we gonna get out the car we gonna get out the car because <laughs> i'm not gonna die over right. some over a plate of food so he proceeds to throw all the stuff i throw all my stuff yes. out the car you everything know, in his car. everything the food yeah pissed but messed up his car messed up the car but tell him the kicker about who showed like then you know i'm on the side of the highway in handcuffed Mm -hmm. and you know another cop has to come to my rescue Mm -hmm. ask him what's going on you know what's he doing and 
the cop, you know, pretty much yelled at the other cop. I'm guessing he might have been a superior mm-hmm. officer. Not too sure. But, you know, he told me I was all right and I could just go. Right. You know, he gave me a ticket for speeding, of course, but still, like, right. should let that slide. But, you know, but anyway. Honestly. But anyway, but. But, but that's, that's just, just yeah. one, one example. You but know, that's just that's one just, incident to where I think it's, it's important to highlight because mm-hmm. it's like, what if that cop wouldn't have shown up? Yeah, you know, I could have been another statistic. Or just another dead black man on the street yeah. or and that's painted as a thug uh, and a criminal and all these that's things. That's what I said. I would have been a statistic. Another, yeah. Well, and I, yeah. You know, statistics aren't always right. And I feel like that experience, and sorry to put your business out there, but I think that experience too is one of the things to where I think us as black people, we try to forget and we try to say, okay, that's just okay that happens it's gonna happen and it's okay and i think that's not okay and i think yeah. that we as a society have to do better in understanding and for you as a black man like you said it, it's it could be different it's one of those things where you know i recognize that being a black man i'm fear yeah and that cop acted purely out of fear I don't think so. I, I think I mean out of fear because of what he's heard about. Exactly. People, okay. Yeah. Of what he's, you know, might have seen and heard mm-hmm. stories from other other cops, you know. Yeah. And when I refused to do something, he said, he felt that's when the power, power right. ego, power trip kicked in for him. Right. You know, and he viewed me as, a, a you know, someone that's disrespectful, someone right. that's not you know, not a good guy. And, you know, I had to take that one on the chin because normally I, you know, I, you know, if I met with resistance, I'm normally going to fight back. But I had to realize at that point in time, this man is losing his mind and me as a black man, I had to step back. I wouldn't say per se that he was losing his mind. I think that's, I mean, I think losing his mind is, is an understatement. I think maybe saying that he's started to understand that uh-huh. this man is doing something that I find disrespectful and that could personally mm. harm me, but I'm only thinking that because he's black. Exactly. If this was a my white counterpart, this wouldn't have happened. And I'm saying he's losing his mind because I don't know him. Right. Okay. I don't know how he is in his everyday life. Right. He could have been, you know, the coolest guy on earth, but you know, I don't know him. But in that situation, but does that, he lost his mind. But does that make him the coolest guy on earth if he doesn't like black people? Because at the end of the day, if you've had an experience with the, if and, you as a white person yeah. have had an experience with a black person yeah. that misjudged them, that what I'll say is, is I feel like in that situation that cop felt threatened that you were an educated black man who knew their rights and he wanted yes. to find a way to make you understand that hey and i'm gonna use slave terms of like hey boy yeah sit down and do what you're told yeah and I, and and i feel like that's not because i i can't just sit here and say he didn't like black people i just i just know when someone's is, is, is afraid and that man was afraid Right. And for reasons that he shouldn't have to be afraid of, but he, you know, just because of how black men are viewed in America, he's afraid. Right. And he has a gun, which gives people false sense of power. 
Right. So in that point in time, that's that's one thing. That's one of the biggest struggle that black right. men have to go through. Right. Is swallowing your your pride at yep. this point in time and taking in a taking an lame, taking an L. Right. And, and that's I, yeah. and that's what caused and that, I feel like that's one of the things why black men are so angry. Right. Because we have to we have to in. do something that we don't have to do. Right. You know, we shouldn't have to do. Sorry, not that we don't have to do, but we, we shouldn't, shouldn't have, have to, to do. do. You know, and that's feel I feel like that's what causes a lot of black men to be angry at the right. world and you know wanna buck the system. Right. Instead of creating a new creating system. a new system or making this system work better. To advantage, yeah. yeah. And better I think that is completely true. Yeah. Like I think that hones into like it circles it back around of how black men are viewed kind of like our first point yeah. and i think yeah you're right like you know how it felt you know how it mm-hmm. is i can only commentate on what i feel and it could be urgently because i have a, a urge to you because you're my partner or it could just be that you know i'm a black woman and i'm in this space of let's protect our black men to the fullest yeah. although sometimes you black men don't protect your black women but that's another conversation um that's just in hey, in urge y'all, y'all want to run the mask so go ahead uh-huh. that's what y'all want to do all right you see what happened i love a little interracial relationship now. Uh, oh okay all right you see your buddy umar no you see nobody okay the let's get okay. to it okay interracial, huh? that's another you day what her white king did yeah Look what she all did. right so with that being said you spoke on a lot of things about anger emotions different type of things and it wouldn't be this podcast or the session if we didn't kind of integrate our mental health into it so why do you believe um black men don't seek help when it pertains to their mental wellness Um, like what are some stigmas what may have caused it that that goes back to the very first point of Mm -hmm. black men are put on a pedestal Mm. any any sign of weakness yep we get turned on and you know that could be a you know that's could be a sign of weakness that oh going whoa, to therapy oh whoa, whoa, whoa why are you crying why are you expressing yourself are mm. you gay now you know some oh, to those type yeah. of points of you know that anything that's not super masculine yeah. you know can be looked at and that's mainly by something that's placed on not i wouldn't say more by the women but it's more by the way another man will look at someone yeah. and say you know for lack of, lack of better words, you ain't gonna get no women being like that, right, being, being soft. soft. M- women like a hard man. Women like right. this, that, and that. You know, which in turns is is totally not true. But that's the way society has placed right. us. And I, I feel love like, my soft man. But I, you know, I feel like <laughs> that's just not. You know, that's so, the big reason why. And there's also the other reason, which I said before. Mm. Mind your business. Mind your bi- okay. And don't be going and don't tell, tell the no business. business. Okay. Know? And you know, a lot of people, a lot of black men go through so many struggles. Yeah. Especially ones that's out there and you know in the fields and you know in the streets, you know, street life, and you know they just not, you know, it's a lot of stuff yeah. you can't talk about because you know it's deemed illegal. But they, you know, a lot of people, a lot of black men go through yeah. hard stuff that yeah. is deemed you can't talk about it. Right. It's not going to make you a man. 
you know, or you snitching or you rat, you know, such things to those certain exists, certain things, you know, there's certain laws you can't follow. So, yeah, I feel like there's a street code, but what if you're not street? What if you are, let's think of, so me and Daquan watch a lot of This Is Us. Mm -hmm. And let's think about Randall and he's not street. He's not any of those things, but remember the conversation. But Randall is from a white family. But Randall Randall was raised to be a man's man. But but yeah, that's he still had a to difference. be strong. But that's still a difference. But when I you think about when Randall sat down with a street man, mm-hmm. Malik's father, if y'all know the show, mm-hmm. um, had to sit with him and say, "Hey, man, mm-hmm. two black men sitting down, no matter where they were from, their backgrounds were or not, mm-hmm. it was like we're still black and we're not going to therapy." Mm-hmm. And do you think that if you had somebody to come in that was another black man that spoke to you about going to therapy or seeking out some some wellness for yourself would that make you want to go no no mainly why not? because it's not a comfortability okay and and i wouldn't say that and do black you mean people, like a comfortability with the therapist with, or? A, with a random therapist okay i feel like black men do have mm-hmm. therapy yes and that therapy is with each other mm, but what if y'all don't know what do you mean what if you don't know? What if you don't know what's... Okay, so my thing about that is, and I agree with that statement completely. I feel like Black men, I think Black women are more vulnerable to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. Black men, though, it seems as though, like you just said, as long as you have another Black man or another person you can talk to about, that's your therapy. And I feel like that's a difference from saying, like, two white men getting together and going to therapy because white men still have some kind of privilege or some kind of thought Mm -hmm. of let me go to therapy whereas black men are saying i can only talk to my homie my homeboy whomever about this and that's going to be my therapy and and then there's still certain things you can't even tell your friends you know you can't even talk to your friends about because you don't want to be deemed a soft but then don't you talk to your girl about it no because there's certain there's certain there's still certain (laughs) things you won't talk to your girl about because you don't want them to feel a certain way you so don't then, want to feel a certain way about yourself. You don't want then, to be looked at in a certain light. So then my question is, is that if you're not getting it from your friend, you're not getting it from your girl, your partner, your spouse, whomever you guys want to call it, then what is that black man doing? Because that feels and sounds like self-destruction. That black man is sucking it up and being strong for his family. Right. And that's what we've been taught. Right. And is there something in you and maybe because you dated a therapist, maybe not. Because there's something in you that's like, I don't want to do that struggle anymore. That's like struggle. I don't want to yeah, do that. Because I mean, and I feel like in today, I feel like what everything I just said mm-hmm. was way more prevalent in an older generation you think? than what it is now. I don't think. I feel like it is because now it's it's cooler to go to talk to a therapist. Yeah. A lot of people are making it cooler. A lot of black men are telling yeah. other black men it's cool to do this. Go to therapy. And, you know, and they're making it cooler. It's yeah. like, it's not a bad thing. Right. I've seen plenty of black men who I would deem as cool yeah. say therapy is cool. Right. You know, and it, it goes from but the hardest to t- hardest to the softest of softest. But can we man. talk about the way black men say therapy is cool? Because I don't want y'all to think black men out here saying, hey, bro, therapy is cool. They be like... I've seen people no, say, go ahead and get some help about that. No, go ahead up the road I and get mean, some help I've about seen, that. I've seen plenty of people say, mm-hmm. you know, go go and talk to a therapist. Right. You need yeah. to talk to a therapist. I have certain friends that, yeah. you know, we've said you need to go talk to a therapist. Right. We've 
talk to them about it and you know they're going through their personal struggles and they're starting to take actions about it you know so and I like that I like how black men not saying older generations aren't but I like how like you said this newer generation are forming a community and having expressive language to say it's okay to have feelings it's okay to do these things you need a place to where you can take out that rage before it happens somewhere else and you know those black men older generation also didn't have a a way to express itself as the younger generation yeah. because we have social media we That's have true. you know different things certain like that to where we can be in communication with a lot more people right so you know i feel like the younger generation now doesn't have to go through some of most of the same problems that the older generation did right i mean but they're still yeah. the same same stuff yeah. but it's a little bit better right you're saying therapy now should mm-hmm. be more attainable it's yes. more of a cooler neutral conversation yes and i feel like for some people you know they want to talk to somebody that looks like them exactly but other people want to yeah. i've heard plenty of people say they want to talk to somebody that don't know nothing, nothing about, about nothing. them don't know <laughs> nothing about what they're coming from yep. don't know nothing about that because in that sense it's not a prejudgment Right. Those people are just there to listen to you. Yeah. Now, you know, some people say that if they go to a black therapist, yeah. that black therapist already got already got something on them. They already know, like, oh, yeah, okay, the, where are you from? Oh, you from you from you know such and such place? Okay, I know what's going on over there. But but you talking to another person? I know nothing about that life. But then again, and that's what some people like. That for me, yeah, I a like that. It's about finding who you like. Exactly. And I think that's the central idea of finding what it's like. But I also want to tear down that misconception that you just said of like, if I go to a black therapist as a black person, that they're going to prejudge me or they're, they're going to know things about me. When in all actuality, I don't think that's how it works. I'm a black therapist who I've worked with black people. And my first mindset, I think for me, and I'm only speaking from my experience, my mindset is how can I as a black therapist be still in a professional setting because when I've had black clients I want to be like hey like I want to be lyric like I want to be lyric that I am with my family with everybody and I think that's the biggest struggle that I faced it wasn't that I saw my clients in a different viewpoint it was like how can I be neutral and normal mm-hmm. and how can I do that and I think it's a misconception sometimes that if you do get a, it, there's two, it's a double-edged sword to having yeah, a black some, therapist. It's like that one perspective. Some people might not want that. Exactly. They don't want to be talked to like a regular person because they feel yeah. like I can just go talk to my, exactly. my, my family if I want to do that. <coughs> Why am I paying you to, to talk to you? If you exactly. talking to me like that. And I think the other end, so it's that first end of like, you know, I don't want a black therapist. They might know who I am. And I think it's the other end of, oh, I want a black therapist because they are going to know. They are going to do these things. Mm -hmm. But like I said, and I'll always say, Black people are not one-dimensional. Just because Mm -hmm. you have an experience as a Black person, a Black man, Black whomever, that might not be the same as mine. That's true. Um, Do I think that Black people, if they want to seek out Black therapists, is good? I think that's very good if they want that. But like you said, it's all about finding who fits you in -hmm. your unique situation. That's true. So that's pretty cool. So then I'm going to ask you, because we talk about this a lot. What keeps you as a black man from going to therapy? Um, like you personally. Certain, certain, you know, expenses and mm-hmm. insurances, you know, that, yep. that I don't have, you know, mm-hmm. certain like that, you know. 
and you know it's 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 hard to get those things and i and i'm not just saying it's hard being black you know it's hard for everybody just everybody yeah that you know certain you know insurances and stuff it's, it's like you know, resources yeah, yeah it's just resources and you know then you know trying to find the correct therapist for yourself yeah because i've been to therapy before and didn't like it because the guy you know he seemed like a good guy but he pretty much told me you know i'm had the same struggles through my whole my life he mm. broke my life down for me and said this age you're gonna do this this age this is what's gonna happen to you and then prescribed me medicine that proceeded to give me seizures so right. this was just like you know and you know in hindsight looking back okay of course he didn't know you know doctors aren't all knowing but at that age that i went you know okay he yeah. gave me this so he right. knew he knows this is what's gonna help me. He knows this was gonna help me. This is what's gonna make me better. So it's and then yeah. when I seen it didn't, I was yeah. like, okay, well, you know, not to be trusted. Right. And I think it always goes to experience. Mm-hmm. And I think you held on to something of like, I've had an experience that's just yeah. not great. And which goes, you hit on a lot of points, like resources. What if people in their community don't have the resource to do it? What if they don't have the finances? What if they don't have the correct health insurance to do it? Because if yeah. we're gonna talk about let's talk about it mental health and therapy costs money and exactly. garners a certain type of insurance that people, to, to that, co- do that, that people look at like okay i don't need i don't I, right i don't need i don't i don't have extra money to be spending on that exactly and it's not that i think black people are saying because it's, it's exactly what you said it's like we don't it, have the extra money it's to because do that. it's not something people can see right it's, it's you, not it's tangible. not it's not a physical illness mm-hmm that you can right. need it's to mental. get taken care of it's a, a yeah. mental which is only in your mind you think it could go away exactly and i think as black people and you heard the podcast with chelsea of religion we tend to go to religion first right we tend to write it off as okay let's just go to church let's just go talk to somebody but no resources was one person was one thing i heard you kind of talk about like misdiagnoses in a way of like mm-hmm. you've misdiagnosed me and you talked about that earlier too about like how sometimes black men can be perceived to be something different mm-hmm. or stereotyped to be something different. Yeah. And that's one big deal. And then the last part that you kind of touched on, I'm blanking, um, was just a piece that revolved around your experience, like having a bad experience, yeah. which some would say is kind of inclusive to like, if you have never been to therapy, it's that mm-hmm. thing of intergenerational traumas of like what has happened to us as a people um, with sitting with predominantly white people and expressing things and seeing how that has played out for us as Mm African-Americans. So those are three pieces that touch well on why it isn't happening for us. And I think as black men, you've touched on a lot of things of why black men aren't going and how we can get them there. So then the last question that I kind of want to ask, and this is just me selfishly asking, because I want to know how I can get Black men to therapy as a therapist or as somebody that um, just wants to be in this community. So in what ways do you think therapy could be more appealing to Black men? Could it be marketed better? Could there be more therapists of color? What is it that can therapy can just, how can we get it to Black men? How is it, can it be more appealing? What can we be doing? Better environments. Okay. Like an environment where someone will want to go, a black man will want to go and not feel like, okay, I'm being tested. Mm. I'm not, I'm being, you know, in a better environment, such as like, you know, more welcoming. 
yeah, more welcoming, but not like, you know, I don't know. I mean, not like in a, in a, <coughs> if I had to go to a therapist that mm-hmm. was in a hospital or a doctor's office, yeah. then I wouldn't want to do it yeah. just because it's a simple fact of, all right, I'm going here. I'm going to be tested. I feel like I'm being watched, right. you know, this and that. Right. It needs to be a better, more relaxing, okay. open conversation yeah. to where, you know, someone could just go and get away from the world right. and talk about so you whatever's want, going yeah. on. You're saying you want a therapist that makes a safe space, that makes it more open, doesn't make it look awkward, that that doesn't say you're black, I'm white, or Mm -hmm. you're black, you're black. That doesn't bring up those differences. You just want somebody to be with you and be in the room with Mm -hmm. you, right? Yeah, like, you know, like a, you know, and it's not, I would say, oh, you can come to my house, a therapist, but no, because some people, they want to be out of their situation where- you know, just in a total different situation. So right. where they could just be hundred percent themselves. Yeah. And I think that plays a lot of like resourcing mm-hmm. is very crucial for us as a community. Um, although you said like, we want to get out of our community. Mm-hmm. Some of us don't have the opportunity to do that. Exactly. So maybe bringing some resources to our community or making therapy more appealing to those within the community mm-hmm. like i've always said a good idea would be adding it to our local like boys and girls clubs putting counselors there or putting counselors for the people who you know having a therapist inside of a church exactly that's what you know harking on with you know you yeah. and chelsea were talking about yeah a therapist an actual trained therapist not yeah. just your pastor even though mo- Pastors, some, yeah. some of them are trained in the therapy yeah. uh but actually having a a therapist yeah. inside of the church would help yeah. a lot too yeah like for having, people, yeah. you know for you know the older generation I do that's agree. a safe because that's looked at as a safe space, space yeah the church yeah so. and I think it also comes around to and one thing that I we've discussed in like our knowing each other is that in me becoming a black therapist knowing where those pockets are and how to go talk to our community in a way that doesn't make them feel threatened um to talk about issues is important Mm -hmm. um and i think having you on this podcast today talking to you understanding you more in a different view although i know you um is different right and i think would i don't know if this conversation would have been the same if it was somebody that was not of color Mm -hmm. um to have this conversation and not saying that for my therapists that are listening that you have to be of color to get inside the minds or the heads of black people or black men. It's just to say, and what I like to say, it's just chill out and 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 understand that everybody is human, but also be aware of some differences that we all so might have. I'm on that point, it's like the first thing you shouldn't the first thing I, this is my <laughs> advice the first thing you shouldn't see is if that person's like if that person yeah. is, a, is black and that's one thing we and learned. i'm not trying to say seek not trying to say don't, don't see, see color because you see but, color but the first thing you shouldn't do is how am i gonna react to this black man <clears throat> yeah how am i gonna react to this man and i'll be i'll be, be yeah i'll completely honest i share with you that when i went to therapy for the first time the conversation and i did it in my master's like as an adult when i decided to go the first conversation that I had with my black, with my white therapist was, I know that we're going to be different because you're black and I'm white. And that to me, I understand because I'm in that lens that that's what we, in some way we have to do that. But I've always fought to say, I don't think that should be done because it's like, for me that I don't want to go in there 
I think for me, therapy for me, I don't, that's the one place where I don't want to think about being black. Like I'm coming to you to be safe. And when I think about being black, I feel unsafe sometimes. So if I'm coming to you, I don't want to do that. And that sounds like what you were saying too, is like, I don't want to be seen. Mm -mm. I want to be seen as human first. I want to be seen as Daquan. Yeah. And not Daquan, the black man, Uh just Daquan. So that's one way we can get you in is when we start seeing you. Yeah, seeing as... is just who you are. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like you shouldn't, like, when you go to therapy, you shouldn't have to fill out what my race is. Well, that's in general. I mean, but that shouldn't, that shouldn't be a thing because I'm not going to therapy for my race. I'm going to therapy for me. Yeah. So, you know. And, and that, and to kind of end it off, that goes back into your point of, when you were talking about being a child and like mm-hmm. you not having the opportunity to just be a boy, yeah. be a black boy. Mm-hmm. And it kind of feels like, and just to close it, every time I hear or think of black men and what they experience, I always think about who they were as children and how they weren't allowed to be j- just to be mm-hmm. and how sometimes when I hear black men become vulnerable, I'm able to see the black boy that they were never able to be. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. right i I feel like the only time that a black boy is able to be a boy Mm -hmm. is if when he's playing sports right and you know you ain't got to be the greatest but that's the only time where it's not heavy on you you ain't got to face everything in the world Mm -hmm. you know it's you just playing sports and i feel like that was that's yeah. You know, that's one of the only times a black boy could be a black boy. Right. Because in every other thing, you're going to get judged. Right. And I think it's it's cool to say that we talk about black boy, mm-hmm. uh, black boy joy uh, or black boy mm-hmm. excellence. I think that black men are always trying to find those moments to be black boys. Mm-hmm. And I think that's incredibly uplifting, but it can be incredibly sad as well yeah. to have to think about how I can just be me and not be judged or seen as anything else. So, yeah. yeah. So I am, I love this conversation. Did you? Mm -hmm. A black man. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I think it's very important that we discuss that as a culture, as a society, as whomever of what it feels like to be a black man and what, how do we seek out mental health for black men? And this conversation was really well today. Sorry if it was scattered, but it seems like to be a black man that's scattered in itself. So that's where we were going to be at anyway. So um, we're going to end on that topic, but we are going to get into our little segment. All right, let's, let's see if the man was prepared today. So um, just as we did with Chelsea, it's a little brief segment where we put, it's called putting on the culture or putting the culture on. This is where we highlight um black owned products businesses specific music artists um related to topic anything just anything black we want to put out on this podcast to uplift somebody and to encourage our followers or our listeners to go buy from them to go listen to them just to go support them giving black people a little shine so my dearest who you put on for tonight or today's podcast oh lord okay Come on, black man. You want me to go first? I, I guess. I, okay. I guess I got somebody. Okay, you got somebody? Okay. So, 
recently was just put on to this guy. I work with him. Lubbock, Real Texas. cool guy, Lubbock, Texas. He's an up-and-coming artist. You know, his name is uh, Elijah Anthony. He, you know, go check him out on YouTube. You know, uh, his spelling of his name will be put in here. He's, he's, he's a dope artist. You know, mm-hmm. he's he got some got some good songs, got some good features. You know, he's up and coming, and you know he's he's doing he's doing really good out here. So right. go ahead and and uh. And what was his name one more time? Elijah Anthony. Elijah Anthony, mm-hmm. and he's specializes in rap music, I guess. It's R and B, more of a hip hop music, right? And he's not just rapping. You know, he's good R and B music. You mm-hmm. know, got got a good good couple of good features on there. You guys should go ahead and check him check out. Check him out. Give him a listen. Mm-hmm. He's on YouTube for right now. I don't think he's posted any of his music yet to like Apple or no, not any yet. Spotify you know, he's yet. Just, he's, he's just starting to get everything together. right. Get him some views. Get his confidence up, guys. Um, young black man just trying to do great out here and be creative and get his career going. So Elijah Anthony. Anthony. Good. So Elijah Anthony on YouTube. Um, so thank you, Daquan. <coughs> Excuse me, y'all. So who I would like to shout out um is a company that I've worked while well, I haven't worked with that I've been in talks with. For a while, I ordered some things from them. They are Temple and Cardi. They specialize, they're a Black-owned business, and they specialize in nostalgic, like, tees um, and sweatshirts, capitalizing or capturing melanin moments in pop culture history. So this is just any movie that you've seen that is for the culture, that is by the culture, sorry, a pun, um, and they have any shirts that that signify that like today I wore a really cool one that signified a big moment in black history television when Will Smith and Uncle Phil had a moment that talked about black fatherhood in America and it's just simple things on sweatshirts like that and I think they're a great business they work well with me Um, and once again their Instagram is Temple and Cardi Um, great great prices as well so is that all you have for your put on I thought I might have had another Wait, one, you put but, on two? But, uh, eh, okay. We got to put them on. Actually, hold on. I okay, okay, have, one more. I do have one more person I want right, to put on. All right, get them together. It's my guy, you know, known him. He's my college roommate. He's also <laughs> a black chef. Come on. You know, he, 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 the man, the man's a wizard in the kitchen. Wizard. Wizard. Mm. Oh, awesome. This is for you North Carolina folks out there listening. Come on. Let them know, babe. Listen, if you need a if you need a plate, you need to go to Almighty Tay. Mm. Almighty Tay, he got you right. Is that his Instagram? Let me let me get let me get his Instagram. So Almighty Tay. Almighty Tay. Okay, and we're gonna get his Instagram going. But yeah, um, great conversation tonight. We enjoyed this one. So Almighty Tay, here's his Instagram. His Instagram is Almighty Tay underscore. And Tay is spelled T E. Mm-hmm. He's in the Durham, Charlotte area, mm-hmm. Raleigh, um, Fayetteville. He's from Fayetteville. He, he's he's really good. Yep. He got he got all the plates for you every day. Just yeah. for example, today mm. the menu was seafood Alfredo. Twenty dollars. Twenty dollars. Come on. Come on. You could add salmon for five dollars. And they're big portions. Go check his go check his Instagram out. Y'all got to. He really with it. And y'all, I, these portions aren't small. They're good prices for this. I know how we get. And for you, 
edible levels. He got the edibles. Keep it on the low. Do not get my man arrested. <laughs> but he got them for you. Everybody, it, it's, okay. it's, it's, it's not, he's, he's using good. He's not using marijuana. He's using other stuff. So it's okay. Right. So yeah. check him out if you need it for medicinal use yeah. only, of mm-hmm. course. Um, no, medicinal use only. Mm-hmm. But yeah, check him out. Almighty Tay. And then you said Elijah Anthony. Mm-hmm. And then the mine was Temple and Cardi. Check them out. Rewind mm-hmm. this and get into it. And then also, y'all, I want y'all to spam up all of this. Contact me if you know me personally. Get on the Instagram page. And I need you guys to root for Mr. Um, you know, Mr. 165. Did I get it right? Mr. 165, because we need Daquan Frazier out here selling plates. He is a really good chef. I want you guys to encourage this black man to get out of there. That's my second put on. Um, Let's get him started soon. Um, Other than that, I'm going to, I just want to say to all who are listening, uh, thank you for coming in and listening to the session. And thanks to our guest, Daquan Frazier. Uh, Shout out your socials. Any other projects that you have, Daquan, before we close out? What else? Also got one more shout out to put oh, on. Lord. My guys, listen, they really big out here. They're called Comfort Caters. If you need anything catered, you in the Virginia and DC area, Maryland area, these are the guys to go to. Okay. Listen, these are for my vegetarian eaters. All my vegetarian people, they got you. They 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 mean with the vegetarian food. Hit them up. All, all right, right, babe. What's your Instagram? You. What's your socials? What my do you want to give to the people? My Instagram is just uh, pop out that phrase, mm-hmm. you know, follow me. Things are coming here soon. Yep. Be ready. Be prepared. Be ready. Love it, Texas. We coming. We coming. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. So um, join us again next week or whenever I decide for our next guest uh, to converse and tackle misconceptions of mental health within our community and how to rebuild. Um, thank you guys. I hope you enjoyed this pod. Um, peace out. No matter what you say, what you do, when I'm alone, I'd rather be with you. Okay, hold up, wait a minute, all good, just a week ago, crew at my house, and we party every weekend, so, on the radio, that's my favorite song, make me bounce around like I don't know, like I won't be here long, now the thrill is gone, got no patience, cause I'm not a doctor, go, why is you lying? Why you Mufasa? Yeah, me casa su casa. Got it stripped it like Gaza. Got so high off volcanoes. Now the flow is so lava. Yeah, we spit that saliva. iPhone got message from Viber. Either the head is so hydra or we let bygones be bygones. My God, you pay for your friends. I'll take that as a compliment. Got a house full of homies. Why I feel so the opposite. Incompetent ain't that half of it. Saturdays with young lavishes. Saturday is I'm bad as it. These they took from the cabinet. Sorry, I'm just scared of the future. Till 2005, I got your back, we can do this, hold up. No matter what you say or what you do, when I'm alone, I'd rather be with you. Got these on these on these, I'll be right by your side, till 2005, hold up. Hold up, hold up, hold up.